Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey guys, you're listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Marketing Talk podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason Wright and Brandy Montambo. What is going on, everybody? Jason Wright here. This is episode number 176. I know it sounds like I'm going to be alone on this show, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Not only do I have a great guest today, Brandy actually showed up. Brandy. You never thought you'd see it, but finally, three of us talking at once. It's a beautiful thing. It's been a long time since I've done that, but so much fun. This episode is uh, going to be awesome. It's going to be highly motivational for you. And I think you'll learn something. Uh, Before we get into it, uh, as always here lately, this episode is brought to you by FunnelBuildingForProfit.com. If you have ever been looking for a bunch of good free resources to learn more about sales funnels and how to build them for your business or for your clients, check it out. FunnelBuildingForProfit.com. All right. So um, what's crazy about this episode is... um, yeah, Brandy showed up. So without any further ado, uh, let's dive into this, check this out, meet the guest, and see uh, see what we talked about here. What's going on, everybody? Jason right here with Brandy for a change and a special guest. Today, we'll be talking to Aaron Hale, co-founder of Extraordinary Delights. Um, Aaron is a veteran. Uh, he was an expert EOD tech in the military and a entrepreneur with his business as well. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. And Brandy, thank you for showing up finally. You know, I've decided to bless you with my presence today. So you should feel honored. We feel honored. So Aaron, uh, we would love to hear uh, your story, how you got to this point uh, where you are sitting in the chair today. So you can tell us your story, the long version, the short version, whatever you like, my friend. Hey, thanks a lot. And uh, again, thanks for having me on, Jason. And Brandy, special guest host. Uh, but uh, uh, I uh, actually grew up with, uh, uh, in, in a family of entrepreneurs. My, uh, my dad uh, actually started his life, uh, his career in uh, forensic accounting with his father. My grandfather was a forensic accountant. Then my dad split off and started his own uh, accounting firm. Uh, and you know, early in, you know, midlife, his, he sold that company off, tried retiring that didn't really stick. So we started another accounting firm and sold that off recently. And still, you know, into his seventies, he's uh, just a workaholic and and loves it. Uh, My mother's side, she's run, uh, you know, businesses from uh, security guard companies and janitorial services to window film hanging and, and, it's just it's just uh, in our family. However, I went uh, went to college and I didn't really have a whole lot of direction. Um, I knew that I wanted to be in the business world, but I wasn't quite sure. You know, I was didn't have you know, that, that ambition uh, or a specific goal. So, you know, without without that roadmap, uh, I was a bit lost, and that showed when I was in college. So I I dabbled in classes and it. 
my grades reflected that and eventually it was kind of a mutual thing. I didn't want to go back and school really didn't want me. So after gaining my, my freshman 50 and, uh, <laughs> um, and pretty much enjoying animal house for a few semesters, I decided I needed to do something else. And I joined the military. I lost that 50. In fact, I lost nearly 65 pounds by the time uh, it, it was about six months before I uh, actually went to basic training. And, and I just changed my lifestyle, uh, a lot less beer, a lot more you know, walking and working out. And then I lost another 15 in, um, uh, in, in basic training. So I went from nearly 225 to around 165. Wow. And, um, but I joined the Navy first and I, at the time I wanted to be a, a, a chef and I needed to join, you know, I joined the military to get the GI bill. It was more of like a, it was a selfish endeavor. Really. I, I wanted the GI bill. I was going to do four years and get out. I was going to let the, the Navy teach me how to be a cook. And then when I got the GI bill, I'd, I'd go to a culinary school and become a chef. And eight years later, I realized that I loved being in the service I, and I'd found uh, it wasn't just about me anymore. It was about duty. It was about service. It was serving my country. And I really loved being in the military. But uh, I, I realized, though, in my progression from, you know, a, more of a self-centered, uh, you know, wants to, you know, living a life of service that I wanted to do something a little more direct uh, with the, the wars, uh, both wars in full swing. I wanted to be somewhere right in the, the, the middle where I could be doing something uh, more direct. So I, I learned about uh, Explosive Ordnance Disposal, or EOD, which is the military's uh, bomb squad. I switched from uniforms and went over to the Army and trained as an EOD technician. Uh, I was quickly deployed, you know, soon thereafter at graduation from uh, EOD school to Iraq and then again to Afghanistan in 2011. And that's when uh, about eight months into my uh, 12-month rotation, I was injured by an IED. Uh, the, the blast stole my, my eyes, cracked my, my skull, blew up both my, my eardrums and uh, sent me to Walter Reed and effectively, uh, you know, ended my military service. For about a year and a half or so after I'd left uh, the hospital, I did go back down to the EOD school and became an instructor. But it was just during the time I was awaiting the medical board procedures and uh, for them to tell me that you know, I'd be getting my disability rating and medically retiring. In that time, though, I started my speaking career and started uh, telling my story across the country. And I also found um, the outdoors again. Uh, I, and this was more of a, just a, a terror, a fear of being stuck indoors and not, you know, being a victim to my injuries. Uh, I didn't want that to happen. So I sought out uh, every opportunity to get outside. So I began running, mountain climbing, whitewater kayaking, uh, and just 
everything I could do to get outside. Ran marathons, uh, qualified for Boston in 2015. Uh, and yeah, life was going really well until uh, late summer 2015, I contracted bacterial meningitis. Apparently, the, the cracks in my skull, I was, I was leaking spinal fluid right out of my nose. It had been patched, but I guess either it hadn't been patched completely or it reopened. And a pathway out is also a pathway in. And a bacteria had gotten in there and put me right back in the hospital. And it nearly killed me. Uh, so, you know, that, you know, facing death a second time. Uh, I, I, I made it through, but in the process, either the bacteria or the heavy, heavy doses of antibiotics to save my life uh, had stolen what was left of my hearing, leaving me completely deaf, completely blind, and not knowing uh, how I was going to face you know, the rest of my life. Uh, the, uh, the truth there is um, it, was a, it was a support system. It was my military training, uh, a, a whole number of uh, factors that not only kept me alive through, it was almost six months of this, this silence and, and darkness before I started hearing again with the cochlear implant. But for six months, I was trapped in my body, uh, completely uh, isolated, totally lonely. My whole world ended right at the tips of my, my fingertips. And um, this is an awful, awful time. In fact, I'd even lost my inner ear sense of balance, that vestibular balance. So I couldn't even get on my treadmill to stay fit. I was using the trucking poles that uh, I, was using, I used to use up in the mountains to get around. I was using those just to stay on my feet to get to the mailbox and back. Wow. Uh, so it was a tough time. My wife, Michaela, girlfriend at the time, um, was uh, writing every letter of every word. She needed to speak to me in the palm of my hand, which, if you can imagine, is just, it was so tedious, so frustrating, but it was the only way I could get a message in. Wow. So um, it, was, it was a tough time, but uh, that's when, you know, it was, it was getting to uh, around this time of year, Thanksgiving time, and I threw myself into my old passion of cooking again, and we'd invited friends and family and, and, and even a few students from the EOD school, or, you know, we still live nearby, you know, during the holidays, some military members, if they're at schools or certain duty stations, they, they might not have enough leave days, vacation days saved up. And even though the base or the school is shut down, these guys are kind of stranded. So we, we invited a few of them over for this feast. And I started preparing weeks in advance. I mean, a couple of different types of turkeys, different types of stuffing, all the uh, vegetables that, of course, in Thanksgiving, you, every vegetable dish is made unhealthy somehow. Uh, <laughs> Butter. But, uh, <laughs> and, and, and the desserts, oh my gosh, I was making cakes and pies and cookies and truffles. And I was making batch after batch of fudge. And it was... You know, it was it was something to do. It was a, a a it was my passion, but it was also something to take my mind off of what was going on at the time. And 
how difficult the situation was. And Michaela said she saw something on me she hadn't seen in, in half a year. And it was a smile on my face. So uh, I, was, I was enjoying myself. I was making all this fudge. I was throwing nuts and spices. I was taking booze out of the cabinet. And <laughs> <laughs> quality checking, quality checking. And it was great. And, and, and as soon as I'd finished one batch, I'd set it aside and I'd start another batch. And eventually, uh, uh, Michaela noticed that I was making more than any family could you know, consume <laughs> in, in one sitting. So she was sneaking it out the front door. I say sneaking, like you got to be real stealthy around a blind deaf guy. But uh, uh, yeah, she was giving it away. And people were coming back to us and saying, can we buy more of this? I've got a birthday or, you know, bar mitzvah or something, you know, baby shower. And you know, the capitalist in me said, well, of course you can. And uh, that's kind of how EOD Confections was born. This time, instead of explosive ordnance disposal, extraordinary delights. And that's that's how we got started. Uh, and before you knew it, uh, I was working fourteen and sixteen hour days at the stove, making fudge, you know, batch after batch. And uh, Michaela was cutting and boxing and shipping it off. And we were we were rarely in business. Uh, it was this was was a real thing. Uh, it, it was soon we realized that we had to decide if we were going to do. Uh, you know, we had to move out of the uh, the home kitchen. And so we, we were in that decision-making process where we had to figure out if we were going to do a real brick and mortar or if we were going straight to online. And after lots of research and trying to figure out how we were going to manage, you know, because, you know, there are a lot of challenges to being uh, uh, blind and deaf, like trying to drive to the office. Uh, but... Uh, so we decided we go straight to online direct ship, shipping, and it worked out great. Uh, we found a commercial uh, uh, food manufacturer that will make all of our 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 goodies exactly you know to the standards we we like. And now our home kitchen is an R and D lab. Sweet. Uh, and um, Michaela manages the operational side, and we do marketing together. And it's it's been fantastic. It's been uh, we're extremely grateful for the the route our lives have taken and how how well this has turned out. I got a question for you. Awesome story, by the way. And I think that your situation would have broken ninety nine point nine percent of other people. So Absolutely. you're a you're a fighter, man. I love it. Um, this is kind of a random question, but did you ever climb mountains or run marathons before your accident? Was that something you ever did earlier in life? No. Uh, I mean, I, I was a rock climber. Yeah. Uh, growing up in Ohio, yeah, there, there were some peaks, but it wasn't, we did some hiking, but I didn't do real like mountaineering. Yeah. And uh, my stepfather uh, did attempt Everest and he was a mountain climber. It was always in the back of my head. It was, you know, we always have these bucket list things and it's like, I'm going to, that list of the stuff we're going to get to eventually. And of course, you know, having faced, uh, you know, the abyss, I realized that someday never comes. So even though I, I was blind and then later you know, going deaf, I wasn't going to wait for opportunity to knock. I was going to kick the door right off the hinges and I was going to go get it. Oh. It's really interesting. Uh, once upon a time, I worked in the publishing industry, and it was always 
haunting to me that I would talk to these authors that were kind of at the end of their life and they had been uh, sitting on a, a manuscript their whole life. And it was like, you know, with all due respect, what are you waiting for? Well, I'm scared people are going to judge me. That's what they would say. And I said, people are going to judge you anyway. Like, worry about that because people are going to judge you whether you do or don't publish it. So like publish the darn thing. And I did get one guy to finally publish. It had been waiting like 40 or 50 years, but it's like, that's crazy. It's just a book. Like publish it. What about all the other things you wanted to do that you'll never do now? You know, so hats off to you for, for going after that stuff. I don't think I could climb a mountain and run a marathon now. So. I don't think I could cook fudge. In fact, I know I can't cook fudge because I've tried. Um, so since Jason actually let me come back on the podcast, today, I do have a question. So um, I'm a systems and processes girl. Like I think that there should be a system and process for everything. So walk me through what a typical, you know, making, cooking something session looks like for you, because I can't see it and I can hear whether it's boiling or not. And, and it still doesn't taste very good when it's done. So, so what does that look like? If you can't see the fudge that you're making, how do you know that it's, you know, at the right consistency and that kind of stuff? Well, no, there's all sorts of different factors involved there. One is that I've just got, I've got the muscle memory. I've got the, uh, the knowledge of years of uh, being in a kitchen. When I was a cook in the Navy, uh, I worked my way up to being, uh, you know, the, the personal chef of a three-star admiral, the commander of the sixth fleet in uh, Gaeta, Italy. So I spent, four years stationed in, in Italy, getting to enjoy uh, the culture and of course the cuisine and sailing around the Mediterranean. Nice. And I really, really did get to learn quite a bit about uh, the culinary arts. And of course I got a lot of practice. Uh, uh, and and I, even though I can't see and then later couldn't, couldn't hear, uh, there's you know, the sense of touch, sense of smell it is, you know, very important, of course, in the, the kitchen, you know, until you burn all your finger, you know, nerve endings on <laughs> your fingertips. Huh? But uh, besides just uh, memory, you know, there's, there's, there's recipes, um, times, temperatures, and it's, there's, it's part art, part science, and you, you follow a formula. So, you know, there's, there's lots of techniques. Would you say that your technique has changed any? Like, so you used to be more... Um, when you were, you know, traveling on that, it was your process did involve sight and then you had to go more towards like timing it. Like this has been on for this, you know, X amount of time or whatever. Has it changed any, your process? I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it has. Uh, I, I couldn't uh, give you an example of how, except that, uh, you know, I have to rely on, um, you know, those other techniques. I've got a Bluetooth thermometer that I use both in the kitchen for candy making and uh, for, you know, when I throw throw some kind of hunk of meat into the smoker. It's fantastic. I, uh, you know, I've got all these uh, talking devices, my computer, my phone. So I've got a Bluetooth thermometer that I can, you know, stick into, uh, you know, whatever I'm, I'm cooking. And then I just check my phone for the cooking times and temperatures and all that. It's you know, awesome. amazing technology. Yeah, so when it, when it comes to the food, um, 
I'm doing whatever I can, whatever tool, whatever technique, whatever uh, uh, skills I can bring to just make the, the highest quality. And then it's just tweaking the recipe. That's awesome. Very cool. So when you mentioned smoking meat, you get my attention because that's something I love to do. <laughs> what do you like to make on the smoker? Well, uh, I love, I've got one of those big green eggs uh, right. because uh, my wife won't let me build one of those uh, brick brick things in the yeah. backyard yet. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, you know, uh, side note, on that last deployment to Afghanistan, you got to do things in your off time, you know, your downtime to unwind uh, because it can't be switched on all the time. Yeah. Uh, so when we were back at the base, I actually <clears throat> built a mud brick pizza oven in the back uh, uh, behind our, our, our tent out of the Afghan moon dust. Uh, I was actually you know, playing mud you know, with the mud and making the brick forms and sun drying them. So after uh, a month of doing this, I'd actually built a pizza mm -hmm. oven and I even tried using it as a smoker and it turned out pretty good. Nice. But uh, I love... Um, we, we're we're big um, you know Mexican cuisine fans here, so I love making you know hunk of beef and making barbacoa, or smoked um, uh, pork carnitas, mm -hmm. uh, really great. Yeah. So where, tell me again where you live at, because I need to know how long it's going to take me to get to your house for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the pan, Florida Panhandle. No, oh, not far, it's closer not, to me than you, Jason. Sorry. You're yeah, out that's all right. <laughs> well, our, uh, our deer season's about to open up and I'm a big hunter. So we'll have, uh, we'll have all the meat we can stand here. But when it comes to smoking, I love uh, making the pork shoulders and the ribs. That's kind of the two things I feel like I've absolutely mastered. And I would mm -hmm anybody on planet earth in those two categories and we'd all eat well in the process <laughs> all right well, unfortunately i haven't got a whole lot of time to attend to the smoker lately since we uh we we had uh identical twin boys six months ago oh congratulations that's so exciting Congrats. you stay busy so what's that i said you stay busy Oh my gosh. Yeah. We try to oh, try to keep ourselves busy and we are accomplishing that. <laughs> my Very wife nice. thinks, my wife thinks she has a hard time telling them apart. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So really curious to hear what you think about this. So if you just think about, obviously you're, you're an amazing guy, but if you think about kind of the average entrepreneur or the average wannabe entrepreneur, why do you think most people give up so easily? For example, before I even let you answer that, uh, I recently spoke to a guy and he was frustrated that his quote unquote business wasn't working out. Very frustrated. I said, well, how long have you been at it? His response was three weeks. I'm like, come on, man. So what do you think? What do you think people give up so easily? Uh, scale. It, it, it works in both directions. Yeah, I'll tell you, I am really just the average Joe that was put into an extraordinary situation. Um, and then I'd never, you know, until, you know, the, the, the fudge thing came along, I'd never, never thought about becoming, you know, having my own business. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, it, it was a learning process the whole way through, but, um, <clears throat> I think you, you pick a, a lofty goal, a, a bag, big audacious goal, or be a big, hairy, audacious, uh, audacious goal. <laughs> uh, and 
then you break it down into manageable bite-sized pieces. What can I do today to take a step forward? Yep. And it's all you got to do. Take one step at a time. You know, you, you may falter. You may, may, may make a mistake. You may have to turn back and do a little U-turn and try it again. But keep that forward progress. Keep moving uh, and towards your goal, toward your values. Keep uh, a certain set of standards and principles. and you're going, you, you got to have faith in that, the, the right outcome and continue working every single day. Uh, that's, that's what I, I think so many give up or, or never try is that they see the top of the mountain, but they don't take the first step to go up it. Absolutely. I think it's uh that's phenomenal. Um, let's see. I really like one thing that you guys do with your business. You guys use storytelling as kind of uh, the foundation of, of here's who we are. Here's why we exist. Here's what we're doing. And I know storytelling is very, storytelling is very powerful and it really lets people know, you know, what you represent and where you're coming from and, and kind of who they're dealing with. Uh, and a lot of business owners don't do this. I don't do a good job of this. I go look at my website now. I know about it because I, I built the darn thing, but I don't share enough of my story for the, the stranger that may end up there and say, what is this intentionally inspirational? Uh, how do you think more business owners could, could do this? How could people uh, incorporate kind of their story, their origin story into their own marketing better? Um, uh, I think nowadays that, you know, customers, people, they want to connect. Yep. And uh, I think it's it, it, for, especially it's, it's, it's great for small businesses, entrepreneurs, because you show the human side of, you know, who's behind the product or the service and share their story. I know the, the big businesses, they keep trying to be your friend, but it's, it's not the same. You know, I, I, I see all the time when people are like, why, why are these large companies trying to be my, my quote unquote friend? Um, but the truth is, uh, when it's a smaller business, when it's a, you know, a mom and pop, yep. it, that's what we want to see. That's what customers want. What they, they're, they're buying the brand and not just the product. Yep. Absolutely. So a lot of the customer experience research says that we as people purchase things emotionally and then justify them rationally. So, you know, I hear Aaron's story. I am like completely inspired because he's done amazing things. And so my heart immediately says, I want to support this guy. And then I say, oh, well, I need to buy a gift for, you know, to bring to Thanksgiving or whatever. So the story is what makes us emotionally attached to whatever that is, even if it's a dress in Kohl's, right? So I see this dress and I see it and I'm like, oh, that is like my favorite color and I love that. Oh, well, I need a new dress to go to this event. So we purchase emotionally and then justify it rationally. So using the story is like the utmost, most number one important thing that you can do in your marketing. Beautiful. Oh, you know, chocolate, candy, I mean, uh, fudge and all the other treats we have on there. That really is an emotional product. You don't buy that for your health. Uh, <laughs> but dark chocolate is and, full of antioxidants. Yeah, you know, I was, I was actually just teaching a chocolate class uh, uh, to a local school. 
and, and I was asked about you know the the, the healthy pro, you know, qualities of of cocoa. I said, yeah, if you take out all the sugar <laughs> uh, and it's just the cocoa powder, cocoa butter, yeah, and that's pretty healthy, but it's not going to taste as good. Um, it's like uh, drinking a glass of wine every day. You know, yes, there are some good qualities to that, but you're also getting the alcohol and it's not good for you. Exactly. So the truth is um, we, everything in moderation, uh, I like to look at it rationally and, and, and realistically. What we sell is an emotional product. We buy this stuff because it makes us feel good. It, it takes us back to uh, a time, you know, when we were, you know, when we, maybe when we were kids and, you know, grandma was making, baking stuff in the kitchen. And it takes to, a, you know, that family picnic or outing or something like that. It's, it's something that triggers that happiness, uh, you know, uh, receptors in our brain. And that's, uh, that's why we try to make the best products we can, because I don't want to disappoint you uh, when, you know, reliving some kind of memory. Oh, that's, uh, that's awesome. powerful. Very good stuff. So I do have to interject one little thing. So does anybody in y'all's families do the cocoa powder challenge? I mean, you talked about cocoa powder, so I have to throw it out there. Does anybody else do the cocoa powder challenge? The cocoa so, powder I don't know what you're talking about. So it's because y'all have young children. See, I'm old. I have teenagers. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Is that so, like the cinnamon challenge yeah. where you eat oh, a spoonful of? A big old tablespoonful. It is the most hilarious thing you have ever seen because it's like chocolate all over their face and it's so dry and they can't spit it out and you just can't do anything. It is absolutely the most hilarious thing ever. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to convince my eight-year-old son to do that. Oh, that would be awesome. I want a, I want video. Send video. I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely a prankster. Uh, I definitely <laughs> love joking around. Uh, and I'm also one of those guys who'll do just about anything on a dare. I'm, I know I'm a grown man, but I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, so it's good times. I have successfully tricked both of my children, nine and 13, to uh, eat a big bite of um, baking chocolate, like in a bar, 100% caco or cocoa or however you say it. Man, it's not good. I, I try to convince myself every so often, I need to try it again. I'm sure it's not so bad. And as soon as it's in your mouth, you're like, oh, God, that's bitter, you know. Yeah. You know, try this. Uh, try uh, dipping uh, Brussels sprouts or pearl onions in chocolate. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, serving them as bonbons. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. I actually like Brussels sprouts. Buttery and salty. Phenomenal. Oh, I'm so good. <laughs> Thanksgiving is coming, man. Thanksgiving it is. is coming. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. I would love to get three pieces of advice uh, from you, Aaron, for anyone who is thinking about giving up on their business. Anybody who's like, you know what? It's too hard. I can't do this. What would you give them? What kind of advice would you give them to keep them motivated? Um, there are times I mean, giving up is, is never an option. I mean, it's uh, quitting should never be part of your repertoire. But then again, there are times when you have to take an assessment and say that, you know, that maybe the, the business shouldn't be, maybe there's a lifespan. This one was a short lifespan. Maybe it's just uh, the wrong business to be in. We got to take, sometimes need to take a rational look at, uh, you know, the, the choices we've made. However, too hard, that's not a thing. That's not real. It's, 
um, we have to practice our uh, uh, resilience. We got to work on resilience every single day. Uh, and sometimes, you know, a little compassion, a little empathy, looking at other people's hardships and putting a little perspective on our own lives makes our day a little bit easier. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't consider hard being uh, a decision uh, in uh, how I run my business. You know, you know the, the most successful of us get a, uh, in this world, the, you know, the wealthiest, the, the, the happiest are the ones that get up early. Uh, they take charge of their lives and their businesses and uh, they go do the hard work because it's necessary. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Love it. So <clears throat> we know what you've done to get to where you are now. What's next for you and your business and your, your wife and your life? What are you looking forward to? Well, we're going to continue to grow and expand uh, our products, uh, the the business. Or, uh, you know, of course, we're busy raising some some kids. Uh, they're, they're hoping their next step is just to sleep all night long. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have. I've got another marathon coming up in December. No um, animal. And uh, yeah, I, I'm looking into other things that you know, I love to consume myself that I may you know, jump into uh, business-wise. Uh, we've got a local distillery that uh, is interested in the story and maybe starting a line of uh, whiskey with me. Mm, um, I, like I enjoy a cigar now and again, and I've been talking to another uh, company about having uh, private label cigars made. So, okay, so I know you can't see Jason right now, but he's like wiping the drool off the side <laughs> of his face, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, um, some good stuff. I'm gonna man. corner. I'm gonna corner the market and sin. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, perfect. No, I the truth that. is, I think I think like I said, everything in balance. Out and and when when you do decide to indulge yourself, I I want to be you know you know I want our brand to be the ones that. Uh, is the, the highest quality in, in, in your indulgence. You know what I mean? I love it. Um, yeah. When you think of uh, treating yourself or giving the best gift, uh, you know, it, maybe it's, you know, corporate gifts, which we're taking orders for now. Um, uh, I, I, I want to be the, 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 the favorite, most unique. Uh, I want uh, EOD, Extraordinary Delights, to be uh, the go-to. You know what? I love what you just said because it's so when when we first talked to you the story is huge right but what you just said is it's not just the story these are high quality delicious foods that you want to share the story is actually in addition to the to the product that you have the product is amazing and the story is just another piece of it i love that because that's what makes a sustainable business you can get by on a story for a while, but if the quality of your product doesn't match what you're saying it is, you're not going to get very far, but your, your product you're, is high You're quality. absolutely right. Um, we, we realized very early on that the story may get our foot in the door. Right. The, the, the story is compelling and it'll, it could capture you know, uh, a lot of attention, but if we don't have the quality products uh, to, to back it up, it may be a one-off. You know, we won't get return you know, customers. We won't get that brand loyalty. And we won't last very long. Absolutely. Love it. 
Beautiful. If somebody listening or watching wants to learn more about your company or learn more about you, what's the, the best way they can do so? Well, uh, you can find us in all the social media at uh, EOD Confections. And of course, you can read more about the story and buy all the chocolates you'd like at EODFudge.com. And what's beautiful about this episode, since I control this, I'm going to make sure this, get, this gets released before the holiday season this year as well. Yeah, awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, Aaron. Uh, Brandy, thanks for showing up finally. Yeah, and, uh, you know. <laughs> it's been fun, my friends. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice to meet you, Aaron. All right. We are back to the show. Aaron, Brandy, thank you, my friends, for showing up and participating and collaborating there. It was, uh, it was awesome. So if you guys want to check out this episode, the show notes specifically, learn more about Aaron and his company, you can go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 176, and you will get um, all his information there. And as always, uh, we definitely appreciate the ear and uh, would love for you to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. And if you guys know any uh, guests that you feel like would be a good fit for the show, feel free to reach out to us as well. Thank you for listening, guys. Appreciate it uh, from the bottom of my heart. And we will catch up with you next week. Thanks. See you soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the show. To keep up with everything that we're doing, please visit intentionallyinspirational.com. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out our video podcast on YouTube. See you next time.